Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The 2021 MLB season is here, and although the seats may not be full, your bankroll has the chance to be. Greg Hoops Peterson has you covered for every game, every day this season, along with comprehensive analysis and angles for getting to the window while celebrating the walk-off winners and blown saves of what will be a wild season. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. Warm and friendly hello, welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Craig Peterson. Got a great show for you as always, as Alex Crow, he is over there with 620 WTMJ in the great city of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Going to be joining me in the second segment. I mentioned Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You'd think Brewers, but he's actually a Chicago Cubs fan. So we're going to be looking a lot at the NL Central. We're going to be looking at the Cubs. I guess their deficiencies along with what they are doing well, what they might need to acquire at the deadline, if they're going to acquire anything at the deadline. Also going to be taking a look at their game today against the New York Metropolitans. And then in the final segment, I'm going to give you guys a sign total on every game on the betting board for this Wednesday. And a little something you like to call, touch them all first things first. Always love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. And you've got one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind the letters EM, they mean does not matter, so I send these into the timeline. Other ways, via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to send in your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you. Did get in one today, so let's dive in. So you have questions, and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. I know that quite a few guys have asked me if I'm going to be taking a look at totals a little bit differently with the crackdown on foreign substances for these pitchers, and I know that when it comes to the overs and the unders, I know that a lot of people are targeting a bunch of overs this week. I won't be specifically doing that. Now, I'm going to be shading my totals up a little bit with the foreign substance crackdown, but 
Here's the reason why I'm not necessarily going to be hunting for overs or anything like that. Coming into the games on Tuesday, overs and unders, 471 and 471. As I do this podcast right now, there are a couple games that need to be wrapped up for Tuesday. 476 overs, 476 unders, 5 overs, 5 unders as I'm doing this podcast right now. So 10 games in total have been completed. These bookmakers are really, really good and they know exactly how to be gauging this. It's not like the bookmakers are going to be asleep at the wheel and you're going to be able to pick them off because they're like a full run off on these holes or anything like that. They're going to be adjusting as well. So I'm going to be adjusting my numbers up a little bit when it comes to total runs. I'm not going to be out there hunting for overs or anything like that. So hopefully that answers your question and hopefully we can take a look and find out a little bit more about these teams because we had a great day on Tuesday. So let's recap it, try to find some trends, and try to get to know these MLB teams a tad bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Something that we all knew is that the Texas Rangers stink on the road. They have now lost 14 out of their last 15, but this one is just terrible. They wind up losing to the Houston Astros 6-3, and this was an extra innings. So if you wound up having an under in this game, good grief. My heart goes out to you because this was 2-2. Going into the 10th inning, the Texas Rangers were able to play one, and by the way, Rangers, they leave time out on base and they go 1-10 of with men scoring position, but they were given a chance to win because Kyle Gibson continues to be tremendous for this team. Gives up one run in six innings, 209 ERA. He has done his part. Spencer Patton, he gives you four outs out of the bullpen. You get a pair of outs out of Brett Martin, but Josh Shorbish, he winds up giving up a solo home run in the ninth. And then Demarcus Evans gives up four runs, three of which were earned in the 10th inning for the Houston Astros. Jose Altuve was able to hit a walk-off grand slam, and Carlos Correa wound up forcing extra innings. For Correa's 12th of the season, Altuve's 13th. Give credit to Lance McCullers Jr. First start in quite a while for him. Didn't necessarily look like himself, but it still wasn't bad. He gives up two runs, one of which was earned over the course of four and a third innings. Hurt, ironically enough, by an Alex Bregman error. And then from there, you wind up getting a pair of outs out of Blake Taylor. And then four scoreless innings out of Jake Odorizzi in the bullpen. They, it looks like, might be using Odorizzi as a long guy. They might wind up using Christian Javier back in the starting spot. I don't know if that's for sure, but that's sort of what I'm reading from Odorizzi giving four scoreless innings of relief in this one. And then Brian Presley was able to come in. He gives up an unearned run in the 10th inning, and he's able to collect the W. Also being able to collect a W, the Oakland A's, as they take down the LA Angels by kind of 6-4. of four. The A's, I believe, are now like 7-2 and two this year against the Angels. Might be 6-2, and two, but it's been domination. And for Andrew Heaney, gives up three runs over the course of five innings. From there, Steve Ciszek did not do his part out of the bullpen. He gives up two runs, and he records one out. Alex Claudio gives you a pair of outs. You wind up getting a scoreless inning out of Chris Rodriguez, and then Aaron Slagers is able to give you a scoreless inning for the Angels. Pair of home runs, Shoy Otani, 18th of the season off of Jesus Cesardo, who's been terrible out of the bullpen. Jesus Cesardo is not someone that should be coming out of the bullpen, and if he's not starting for you, he really has no use at this point. Jared Walsh, he also gets his 15th of the season. That comes off of Yasmeto Petitas. Frankie Montas, very good start in this one. Gives up two runs over the course of seven innings. He had been struggling all year long at home. And then from there, Lazardo and Petit both give you an inning. They both give up a scoreless home run in the process. 
But for the Oakland A's, they were able to get a deep fly of their own. Sean Murphy, he is able to collect his eighth home run this season. That comes off of Slaggers. And for the Oakland A's, 42-27 and 27 right now. This is a team that they have gotten very much hot at the right time. This is also a bunch that they have won five straight games and seven out of eight. So the Oakland A's are certainly getting the job done. The Colorado Rockies at home are getting the job done. On the road, not so much. As on the road, they are 5-27. But at home, they are now 22-14 and 14 as AYM taking down the Padres by kind of 8-4 to four for the Padres, by the way. I believe that they have now lost 12 out of their last 16 games as you Darvish winds up getting shelled. Gives up four runs over the course of five innings. Craig Salmon gives you a scoreless setting. Austin Adams and Nisbel Kersmet combined for a three-out appearance without giving up a run, but Tim Hill, along with Emilio Pagan, they combine for three outs and they give up four runs in the process. And for the San Diego Padres, Fernando Tatis Jr., National League leader in home runs now with his 20th of the season. That comes off of one Chichi Gonzalez, who gives up that home run and overall was not necessarily terrific in this one, giving up four runs over the course of six innings. But Daniel Bard, Michael Gibbons, and Carlos Estevez, I'll give you a scoreless ending of the bullpen and for the Colorado Rockies. How about what you were able to get out of Ryan McMahon? 16th home run the season off of you, Darvish. He also contributed a triple as well as the Colorado Rockies. 5-9 with men in scoring position at home. They get the job done once again. The St. Louis Cardinals at home get the job done as well. 2-1 to the final. This is a Cardinals team that, well, they have not necessarily been scoring a lot of runs recently. They have scored, I believe it's now four runs or fewer in something like eight out of their last ten games. But still, they were able to get a very good pitching performance out of Kwon Young Kim, former KBO Legend was able to give the team one run, give it up over the course of six innings. Now, evaded a lot of danger. Five walks. That is not like Kwon Young Kim, but still, first start off the injured list in quite a while. Gave up one run in the process. He did his part, and then Alex Reyes, Giovanni Gallegos, Genesis Cabrera. They all give you a scoreless ending out of the bullpen. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, you figured this guy was going to bust out, and he did. Paul Goldschmidt, walk-off home run in the ninth inning off of Yimi Garcia, his ninth of the season. Squanders what was a very good start out of Trevor Rogers. He gives up one run in six innings. Anthony Bender, Richard Blyer, they both give you a scoreless inning. And then Garcia, first batter he winds up facing, gives up a home run. That's not necessarily too terrific and for the Miami Marlins. This is also a team that they are scuffling with their offense, to say the least. They have now scored four runs or fewer, and I think something like seven out of their last eight games. It certainly has been a little bit of a slog for them. Speaking of a little bit of a slog, that's what we're seeing for the Kansas City Royals right now as they wind up losing to the Detroit Tigres by a count of 4-3 to three, if you're looking at the Royals, by the way. Good grief, things are not necessarily going too well for them. I believe that they have now lost... Nine straight games, it might be ten, but they are on a nasty slide as Casey Mize, he is looking nasty. He gives up three runs over the course of six and two-thirds innings. From there, Gregory Soto gives you a scoreless inning, and Willie Peralta, yeah, that's a name I haven't heard in a while. Four outs on the bullpen, and for the Detroit Tigers, Jonathan Scope has actually looked very good recently. 11th home run this season, that comes off of Mike Miner, who has been a major disappointment this year. Gives up four outs over the course of five and two-thirds innings. From there, the bullpen was solid. Jake Brent, Scott Barlow, Greg Allen all give you a scoreless setting. Kyle Zimmer gives you an out as well. But for the Royals, they wind up going 1-5 of five with men in scoring position. So not a lot doing there. Nothing doing for the Tampa Bay Rays on Tuesday. They lose to the Chicago White Sox by a count of 3-0 to zero for the Rays. 0-7 with men in scoring position, Shane McClanahan. He is probably the least trustworthy guy that you have on the Rays right now. Gives up three runs, two of which were earned over the course of five innings. I should correct that because they still do have Michael Waka Waka Waka. Yep, that's a dying Pac-Man voice, but still. And then from there, you have Matt Whistler, Andrew Kittrich, along Jeffrey Springs. I'll give you a scoreless setting, but for the White Sox, Dallas Keiko was dealing. Seven scoreless settings, 
Walks just one. From there, Aaron Bummer was out of Bummer. He gives you a scoreless setting, and Liam Hendricks is able to close things out. And for the Chicago White Sox, Adam Engel with his third home run in six games. His third of the campaign, you wind up having Tim Anderson get his 13th stolen base of the season. So the White Sox, they're able to collect their league leading for the American League. 26th win at home so far this year. Meanwhile, the Rays, despite the loss, they are still a league best 24 and 11 on the road. So a pair of teams that are certainly getting the job done there. A team that was able to get the job done on the road, that would be the Cincinnati Reds. 2-1 to the final. We'll be talking much more about the NL Central with our good buddy Alex Crow. But for the Reds, they win this game despite going 0-2 with runners in scoring position as Luis Castillo has had a terrible year. He was terribly good in this one. Zero runs given up over the course of seven innings. Eth Embry does wind up giving up an unearned run in the 10th inning, but this game was 0-0. Zero to zero. Going into the 10th inning as the Milwaukee Brewers got a great start out of Brett Anderson. Gives up one hit and one walk in seven innings. Punches out nine. Devin Williams, Josh Hader, they both do their part. And then Brad Boxberger. You figured the wheels were going to fall off at some point. Gives up two runs, one of which was earned. So there was that. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, they go one of eight with men in scoring position. And then for the Cincinnati Reds, you were able to get Lucas Sims, a scoreless inning. Embry, along with Amir Garrett, combined for that 10th inning. And Brad Brock, able to give you a scoreless inning as well. And for the Cincinnati Reds, this is a team that all of a sudden has been able to get a little bit hot. They have been able to take the first two games of this series. They are a team that I believe is now riding a five-game win streak. So that has been good for them. Six out of their last seven as well. A team that has all of a sudden been able to get a tad bit hot as well. The New York Mets, especially at home. 3-2 to two the final. They take down the Chicago Cubs. We're going to be asking Alex about why the Cubs are so good at home and so bad on the road. 24-10 and 10 at home, 14-19 and 19 on the road, though I will say they're facing a Mets team that with their 19-6 and six home record, best home win percentage out there in baseball. And for the Chicago Cubs, Alec Mills, not the start you were looking for. Three runs given up in four and a third innings, but the bullpen that has been so good for the Cubs all year long, they come up big once again. Keegan Thompson, who I thought was personally probably going to be pitching a little bit today, he winds up going two scoreless innings. You have Dan Winkler give you a scoreless inning, and then Rex Brothers, he was able to give you a pair of outs. And for the Chicago Cubs, Javi Baez was able to collect his 15th home run this season. That comes off of Taiwan Walker. Just a third home run that Walker has given up this year, and that was really his lone mistake. Punches out 12, seven innings. Gives up two runs. Seth Lugo, a two-inning save from there. And for the Metropolitans, they do leave 10 men on base, but they were able to do just enough with their eight hits to be able to get the W in this one. Also being able to get a nice W, the Washington Nationals. I wind up having the under in this one. And of course, there's a grand slam in the first inning. Eight to one the final. Supplying that grand slam, Mr. Jan Gomes has sixth home run the season as for Tyler Anderson, this is a start that he wants to forget. He managed to give the team six innings, but he gave up ten hits, and he paid for pretty much every one of them, giving up six runs, all of which were earned, including that grand slam from there. Dwayne Underwood Jr. gives up two runs in two innings, and for the Pittsburgh Pirates, they leave eight men on base, 0-4 with men in scoring position. As for the Washington Nationals, Patrick Corbin was amazing in this one. Eight and a third innings, he gives up one run. Corbin, by the way, over his last six home starts, has an ERA that's sub-3. So despite the fact that he's got a 560 overall, he's actually been quite good at home. Justin Miller, he gives you a pair of outs to be able to get the job done there. Also being able to get the job done, which is a phrase I just love saying on this podcast. The Cleveland Indians in Operation Fade Matt Harvey goes very swimmingly. 72 the final. For Matt Harvey, why is he collecting an MLB paycheck? Three and a third innings, he gives up six runs, five of which were earned. Shelled again, 776 ERA. The Dark Knight has fallen, ladies and gentlemen. Cole Solzer from there gives you a pair of outs. Don't take gives you five outs without giving up a run and one Adam Blutko. 
two and a third innings. He gives up one run in the process for the Baltimore Orioles. They go 0-5 with men in scoring position as Cal Quantrill gets a start. Gives up one run over the course of four innings. That's solid from there. You wind up having one run given up by Blake Parker in an inning. And then Phil Mayton, Nick Wicker, and James Karachek, Emmanuel Clays. I'll give you a scroll of setting him for the Cleveland Indians. One home run in this one. Bobby Bradley is third of the season, and he all of a sudden has been amazing for this team. He didn't get 440 in a limited sample size. So Cleveland Indians, they were able to get things cooking. The Boston Red Sox got things cooking against the Atlanta Braves as well. 10-8 the final in this one. For the Boston Red Sox, you had a lot of guys go deep in this one. Alex Verdugo, his ninth home run this season. That comes off of the bullpen. Hunter Renfro goes deep off of starter Tucker Davidson for his eighth home run this season. Rafael Devers also takes Davidson deep. His 16th of the season. And Edgar Santana out of the bullpen gives one up to Xander Bogarts his 13th. He brought Eduardo Rodriguez. Not long for this game for the Boston Red Sox. Gives up four runs in four innings. From there, Garrett Woodlock gives up three runs, one of which was earned over the course of one and a third innings. As you wound up having three different errors out there in the Boston Red Sox field to not necessarily help him out, but here to Kazuso Amura, along with Adam Adovino, give you a scoreless inning. Darwinson Hernandez gives you a pair of outs. Matt Barnes winds up giving up a run in his inning, but he was able to do enough to be able to get the job done as the Atlanta Braves did not wind up getting what they were hoping for out of Tucker Davidson. He gives up two home runs, five runs in total, and two and a third innings from there. Sean Newcomb gives you five outs without allowing a run, but Edgar Santana in two innings of relief. He gives up two runs. And how about how bad Chris Martin has been recently? He gives up that game a couple days ago against the Philadelphia Phillies. And then in this one, he turns around and takes the as He gives up three runs at an inning. Luke Jackson and Josh Hamlin scoreless innings, but he wound up outdoing them. And for the Atlanta Braves, 5 of 15 with men in scoring position. So they were unable to get the W in that one. The Yankees with a dramatic come from behind win over the Toronto Blue Jays. One in which they badly needed because they had lost like six out of their last eight games. 6-5 the final for the New York Yankees. How about them being able to get some production out of the bottom of the lineup? Chris Gittens gets his first MLB hit, and it's a home run off of Hunjin Ryu for his first home run of the season. Ryu serves one up to Gary Sanchez, his ninth home run of the season. And then Anthony Castro, one of the better bullpen pieces for the Blue Jays, gives one up to Brett Gardner, second of the season. For Jordan Montgomery, not a good start. Five runs given up, four of which were earned, of course, of five and a third innings, including home run going deep for the Toronto Blue Jays. How about Mr. Bobachet? It's 14th of the season, but then from there, Yankees get their bullpen going. Jonathan Luizga, Zach Britton, Aroldis Shaman all give you a scoreless inning. Luis Sessa was able to give you a pair of outs and for the Toronto Blue Jays. Hunjin Ryu gives up those pair of home runs. Three runs in total over the course of six innings. And then from there, Anthony Castro gives up a two-run bomb in a third of an inning. Carl Edwards Jr. was able to give you an out. And you got a pair of outs out of Jordan Romano. But Tim Mazza, you know, has a 595 ERA. Gives up a run in two-thirds of an inning. Tyler Chatwood was able to give you a scoreless inning. But the Yankees, who very badly needed a win, they were able to get the win that they so badly needed. And then a team that has been struggling all year long, the Arizona Diamondbacks, they blow this game in Arizona Diamondbacks fashion. 9-8. As I'm doing this, it's just one final, and I can't believe that the Arizona Diamondbacks blew this one. They got up 7-0 this one, and they blew it. The San Francisco Giants put up a 2-spot in the 6th inning and a 4-spot in the 8th to be able to come back for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Alex Young winds up getting the start in this one. Gives up 3 runs over the course of 4 innings, and then from there, Corbin Martin gives up 2 runs in 3 innings. Joe Manapoli Two runs given up in two-thirds of an inning, and Humberto Castellanos gives up two runs in a third of an inning, including home run. Going deep for the San Francisco Giants in this one. Mikey Strepsky, seventh home run of the season. Steven Duger is fifth. Zach Liddell serves as the opener, and 
boy, they probably shouldn't be using him as an opener anymore. Gave up four runs and he recorded as many outs as I did. I mean, I could have done that, but then from there you end up having Sam Long as the long guy give up four runs in five innings, but Connor Menez, Charlin Garcia, Tyler Rogers, Jimmy Scherfe, all give you a scoreless inning, and the San Francisco Giants get another W for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Good grief. They have now lost 35 out of their last 40 games. Gosh. That is just absolutely terrible. Speaking of absolutely terrible, the effort shown by the Minnesota Twins. I have to post this up by Midnight Pacific, and, well, I can firmly say that this game is one final. Going into the top of the ninth, the Seattle Mariners are up by a count of 10-0 to zero for the Minnesota Twins. They are being currently held down by Chris Flexen, who has given the team eight scoreless. J.A. Hap was more like J.A. Hap Boo. Gives up six runs, five of which were earned over the course of four innings. And then from there, you bring in Griffith Jacks in long relief. He gives up four runs in four innings, including a pair of home runs. The Minnesota Twins have really not had a man on base in this one, at least in scoring position, I should say, as for the Seattle Mariners. A team that wound up starting six different guys with a 250 batting average or worse. A trio of home runs. Ty France and J.P. Crawford both give you their fourth home run this season. Luis Torrance able to give you a third. Just an absolutely embarrassing display. And then the Dodgers polish off the night with a 5-3 win over the Philadelphia Phillies. Mookie Betts was really the star in this one. Made an amazing catch. He winds up going 3-5, of five, including a bomb for his eighth home run of the season. Julio Arias winds up giving up three runs, two of which were earned over the course of five and two-thirds innings. By the way, he had come into this one with, out of his last eight starts in which a total wound up counting, Seven overs and a push with zero under. So, first time in quite a while that he winds up playing an under as going deep off of him. Andrew McCutcheon has 11th home run this season. And for Zach Eflin, certainly not Eflin great, but certainly not Eflin awful either as well. Gives up three runs over the course of five innings. And then from there, Ranger Suarez comes in for an inning and a third. He gives up a run. Archie Bradley gives up a run in an inning. Sam Coonrod is able to give you a pair of outs as well. But for the Dodgers, bullpen was able to do their job. Joe Kelly, Phil Bickford, Blake Tryon all give you a scoreless inning. And Victor Gonzalez was able to give you an out as well. And the Dodgers, by the way, they have won each out of their last 11 series openers. They had been 1-10, and 10, I believe, in their Game 2s, I guess you could say, of series. So I thought that that was very fascinating. If you're taking a look at Major League Baseball to date this season, now with all the totals that have come in, the season to date is now 479 overs and 476 under. So a very, very slight trend to the over over the last seven days. 46 overs, 42 unders. And yeah, that's a lot of overs that I wound up using in that sentence. But what has been much hotter, favorites. 66 and 28 over the last seven days. And if you're looking at favorites for the season, now 472 and 414. That is a 58.1% clip over the last seven days. That is more like a 70% clip. And if you're looking at the last 30 days, favorites, 243 and 148. That is 62.1%. And overs, 191 of them. Unders, 187.49.5. So I think that now you guys are seeing why I don't think we're going to see too many more overs just because we are seeing this crackdown. But I can tell you right now, the bookmakers, they know what they're doing. Alex Crow, he knows what he's doing. He's out there in the great city of Milwaukee coming up next. We're going to be asking him about the NL Central, his beloved Chicago Cubs as it's Robert Stock versus Jacob DeGrom and that Cubs versus Mets game today. So we're going to have a great chat about that and so much more right here on the Baseball Winning Podcast with myself, Greg Peterson, on the other side. 
Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. And we're back here in Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always great to be joined by this next guest because me and him did some radio together back when we were out there in the great city of Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Now he's doing some terrific work out there in the great city of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, as we've got on anchor and reporter for 620 WTMJ, Alex Crow. You're able to follow him on Twitter at AlexCrow38, and Crow is spelled with an E at the end of it. So just want to make that distinction. I know that he does a new show that airs every weekend on 620 WTMJ, just taking a look at everything that's going on in the great city of Milwaukee. And this is a man that is dialed into the sports scene in the area, along with his beloved Chicago Cubs, which we'll be getting into in a minute as well. Alex, always great to have you aboard. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, that was quite the intro. Thanks for having me, Greg. Appreciate it. Always great to have you aboard. And I just mentioned it, the fact that you are a Chicago Cubs fan. And one of the interesting questions I've had, because there are a lot of people from Chicago that are out here in Las Vegas. I will tell you that right now. There are a lot of people from Wisconsin too, but a big question I've been asking is about the Chicago Cubs. For one, are they for real? And two, what do they need if they are going to be able to make a playoff push? Because I've been quite impressed by what I've seen out of the Chicago Cubs. I really feel like in your three, I guess you'd call them spectrums of baseball, bullpen pitching, the lineup, and the starting pitching, I really do feel like the lineup is pretty sub. Patrick Wisdom, ironically enough, has been exactly what they've needed. He's getting a home run like every six at-bats. That's not necessarily sustainable, but he has been amazing. Bullpen pitching, I think we both agree. They have been amazing. Over the last 30 days, they rank in the top two in pretty much every bullpen ERA, runs given up, what have you, category. But when I take a look at the starting pitching, I just feel like they need arms with an S because I take a look at them starting Jake Arrieta on Monday. It just is not going well for him. This is not the guy that he was a few years ago. When you're giving starts to guys like Alec Mills, I do recognize they got a no-hitter. But Alec Mills not necessarily a guy that you want to be shoving your chips in the middle with. And I really think that's a big thing with the Cubs. If they're just able to get some starting pitching at the deadline, maybe a little bit before. This is a team that I actually think has a lot of upside and might be able to make the playoffs and be able to win a series or two in the playoffs. Yeah, this has been the big discussion from Chicago Cubs fans throughout, right? And that is, are they going to be buyers or sellers at the trade deadline? Coming into this season, not exactly sure where we stood on that one, especially after getting rid of someone like you, Darvish. So now you look at it and say, okay, well, they certainly should be buyers at the trade deadline because you're right. They definitely have put themselves in a pretty good position to make a run at the NL Central, they're playing very good baseball so far. At least that's half the battle, right? you got to win the games that are in front of you. Now, you're right. They do certainly need an arm or two to help bolster up the starting pitching rotation. And Max Scherzer's a name that's been floated around. Not exactly sure what it would take for the Chicago Cubs. That you need that have to give up something substantial to be able to get Scherzer. But is it worth it? Are you going to try and make a run, one last run with these guys before contracts of the likes of Brizzo and everybody else start coming up? So... This will be interesting to see if they make a push, if they do try and go after someone like Max Scherzer to try and shore up their starting rotation. But man, Greg, it just kind of stings all that much more for Cubs fans who were left scratching their heads when the Cubs traded Yu Darvish in the offseason in the first place. And now it looks like they're just one or two starters away from being one of the top tier teams in the league. Yeah, because even some of the guys have filled in. I know that Javi Baez has gotten the day off the last couple of days. I've actually liked what I've seen out of Sergio Alcantara. So I don't think that there's really anything wrong with the lineup. Even a guy that they bring in in Eric Sogard has been able to hit something like 
a 245, which it's not like it's anything great, but at the same time, when from like a backup infielder, you're getting a 240 or a 245, a guy that consistently gives you professional at-bats, that'll certainly play in this league, especially with so many guys striking out. So it certainly is interesting to see what's going on there, as we do have Alex Crow joining me on the podcast. And the one thing that really jumps out to me with the Cubs as well is just how different they are home to row, because this is a team that at Wrigley Field so far this year, they're 24-10. and 10. They are nearly unbeatable in the postseason. If they could just hold every single game in the city of Chicago, I think that the Cubs might be able to make the World Series. If they wind up playing every single game away from Chicago and playing neutral sites like they did last year, I don't know if the Cubs would be able to win a series. So it's been really interesting. And what do you sort of chalk that up to? Because it does feel like we really do see a vastly different Cubs team when they are on the road as opposed to when they're at their friendly confines. Yeah, this is a storyline you've heard for a number of years with this Cubs team, right? Particularly guys like Kyle Hendricks. I know that I've come on this program before and you and I have talked about Hendricks' difference between the home and the road. But I also look at the strength of schedule opponents, Greg, that the Cubs have had to face when they go on the road. You look at that West Coast road trip they had earlier this month when they lost three out of four against the Giants and then bounced back, winning two out of three against the Padres. They're on the road against another first-place team right now in the NL East, being the Mets. And then they're on the road again, taking on the LA Dodgers later this same month. So that's three teams that are, you know, in the expected to make the playoff tier, at least right now, that they're playing on the road. So I think the Cubs have definitely struggled a bit on the road, but I think it also has to do with the quality of opponent that they've had to play at home versus on the road so far this year. And I think that the the main thing when we talk about the two teams atop the NL Central right now, that being the Cubs and the Brewers, the main theme that I see from both of these teams is the ability to overcome injuries. And the Brewers have had so many injuries so far this year And so of the Cubs, you look at just the infield where Nico Horner has been injured. You just mentioned Javier Baez has been dealing with a finger issue. David Bodie, that shoulder separation was so awful to watch him just withering in pain after going over the base. And like I said, with the Brewers, they're kind of doing the same thing. Lorenzo Cain has been out and missing quite a bit of time. Travis Shaw is now going to miss quite a bit of time. Colton Wong is on the disabled list. And then, of course, they were missing... Christian Yelich for quite a while. The two teams that are in first right now, it's all about the the bench players and the guys that have managed to step up and really put their teams in a position to win some baseball games. I agree with you. I certainly do think that it's been interesting to watch this Cubs team in general so far this year. How they've been playing home to road is certainly a headline. And you mentioned it. It's actually been this way for quite a while. The Cubs, I always say on this podcast, are the most notorious team for winning by approximately one ride at home. They always find a way at Wrigley Field <laughs> on the road. It just doesn't seem like there's been that same magic. But the good news for the Cubs is the NL Central, let's face it, it's not necessarily full of juggernauts right now. The Milwaukee Brewers have been able to get hot. But you take a look at who the Brewers have been playing recently, the Cincinnati Reds, the Arizona Diamondbacks, the poopy Pittsburgh Pirates, and our favorite, the Detroit Tigers. So, that's one in which if you don't wind up winning those games, it's going to put you behind the eight ball. And to their credit, they have, if you're wanting to be a good team, you need to take care of business against those. But certainly that's a little bit of why the Brewers have been able to get on this recent hot run. You've got the Cincinnati Reds and the St. Louis Cardinals pair of teams with approximately 33 wins. 
going into Tuesday. And then, well, the Pittsburgh Pirates are the Pittsburgh Pirates, a negative 91 run differential heading into Tuesday. I think we all know where they're going to be ending up. But I take a look at this NL Central. I do think that it's wide open. Even a team that is 500 like the St. Louis Cardinals are, I do think that they're going to be able to make a run because I take a look at these four main teams in the NL Central, and they all have a little bit of a flaw for the Milwaukee Brewers. It certainly is the lineup. They've got amazing starting pitching, but are you going to be able to get guys to be able to get on base? For the St. Louis Cardinals, the bullpen outside of Alex Reyes has been letting them down, and they too have some deficiencies when it comes to their starting lineup and when it comes to the Cincinnati Reds. Team that's scoring six runs per game at home, but once again, much like the Cubs, they are not the same offense when they hit the road. So I take a look at all four of these teams. They all have flaws. I think that there's a possibility for all four of these teams to be able to reach a postseason, though obviously the Brewers and the Cubs being tied for first entering into Tuesday, certainly in the driver's seat. Yeah, there are some really interesting aspects when you look at all of these different teams. The Cubs, I think that you and I would both agree, have been playing a little bit above their pedigree so far, especially considering their opponents. And they've got some tough ones still coming up. They still have to play the Dodgers. They still have to play Cleveland and finish up this series with the Mets yet this month. I think that if we're looking at a team that will likely be in first place in the division at the end of the month, it's probably going to be the Brewers. And you're right, they are one of the most suspect of those three teams with that offensive lineup that they have. But you look at who they played. You mentioned the Diamondbacks, the Pirates. The Brewers still have games this month against the Diamondbacks. They have six games left against the Colorado Rockies yet this month. And they're still, you know, they got the Pirates and everything in there. So I think the Brewers would put, be in a very good position to be in first place at the end of this month, at least. Now, you mentioned the Cincinnati Reds. They're interesting to me, Greg. And they kind of remind me a little bit of like the Houston Astros of the National League. You know what I mean? They can hit the cover off the ball, especially when they're at home but it hasn't exactly translated into an exorbitant amount of wins so far either. So I think that they are a team that we all definitely have to keep our eye on. Right now, I think that the Brewers will probably be in first place in the division at the end of the month of June here. Yeah, it certainly does help that the Brewers have been able to get a very generous schedule this month, to say the least. That is something that you never complain about. You take the wins that are on the schedule and you run with them, as we do have Alex Crow join me on the podcast And what else I think is going to be very fascinating for these NL Central teams is whether or not who winds up finishing in second place is able to get one of those wild card spots because I think that we would both agree that coming into the season, we did think that the NL Central was not going to have one runaway team, and it's looking like that is certainly going to be the case. So you had to figure that the number two team would be in contention for a wild card spot, but I take a look at what's happening out there in the NL West, and I do think that you might wind up seeing all three teams that are at the top of the NL West right now make the postseason. The San Diego Padres have fallen on some tough times, but we all know the power of that team. I don't think anyone saw in the middle of June the San Francisco Giants being atop that division, but the more I take a look at this team, the more I am a buyer on them. They've got good pitching. I think that Buster Posey just unintentionally wound up being the biggest offseason acquisition with what he's been able to do both with his bat along with the way that he's been able to help out so many of these pitchers and then the Dodgers are the Dodgers. You got to figure that they're going to get there and they've got the one benefit that no other division really has in that even though they do have to play against each other the Giants having to play so many games against the Dodgers and the Padres you're going to rack up the losses but 
They're playing against two teams in the Colorado Rockies and the Arizona Diamondbacks as well that are just terrible. The Rockies are 5-27 and on the road. I don't think I've ever seen that before. And the Arizona Diamondbacks have lost, I'm not even kidding, coming into Tuesday, 32 out of 37 games. So I take a look at this, and I do think that it's going to be tough for these NL Central teams to perhaps be able to vie for one of those wild card spots because you've got so much strength out there in the NL West. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, if one of those teams could slide, I think it's the Padres, just given their history and the way that we've seen the Padres play before. But you're right with the offensive firepower of Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado and everybody else that they have out there in San Diego. You think that they're going to put it together at some point. It's crazy to me that the Rockies, you know, have won five games on the road and they are still six games in front of the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks have been that bad. And like I said, the Brewers still have more games a lot against both of those teams still to come this month. So that's why I think the Brewers can pad their stats a little bit. I've also been a little surprised about the NL East, namely with the Braves, because coming into this season, we were told that the Braves had a lot of the young up-and-coming guys that were going to be the faces of baseball, and they haven't been able to put it together so far. It's looking like the East will just get one team. So the Central might be able to get a second one in there if, A third team starts to struggle in the NL West, but right now you're right. It's looking like the West will probably get three teams in when it's all said and done. Yeah, at this point, I really do think that it's going to be the Mets coming out of the East. And then whoever winds up finishing in second place, well, pack your bags. You're going to be going golfing out there in October because, well, the Atlanta Braves with the old Marcel Ozuna situation – That's not good, to put it very politely. And then you take a look at the bullpen. It has been a massive disappointment. Guys like an A.J. Minter that you thought were going to have big years and sit or having right around four or five-ish ERAs. And it's just not going to be able to get the job done in this day and age in Major League Baseball. And just taking a look forward as well, because I'm seeing for tomorrow – I'm seeing for Wednesday a very interesting game for the Cubs in that for the Chicago Cubs, they're going to be starting Robert Stock. He's actually, ironically, someone we were talking about the Padres, someone that used to come out of the bullpen for them. He's going to be getting the start of what I've got to assume is a bullpen game for the Chicago Cubs. And then Jacob deGrom is going to be going for the New York Mets. And typically when you say Jacob deGrom is going to be going for the New York Mets, You'd think that the Cubs would be laid waste to, but we know that Jacob DeGrom wound up leaving his last start due to injury. So this could be a situation in which if DeGrom winds up seeing some discomfort, he might wind up coming out of this game early. What are sort of your thoughts on this one? Because I think that we would both agree, Jacob DeGrom, best pitcher out there in the MLB right now, but certainly a guy that's nursing an injury. And then you've got a guy in Robert Stock for the Chicago Cubs that I frankly just don't know what to expect out of him because whenever he's come out of the bullpen, he's been relatively decent the last year or two, but this is going to be the first start of his career as he's made as many starts as the two of us. Yeah, and this is what happens when we talk about those injuries again that start to pile up and Edward Alsdelay, who's been pretty good for the Cubs so far this year, getting that blister on his finger. He's expected back in a couple of days, but he's on the disabled list right now, so they're having to make do with, you're right, these bullpen strung together games. Seems like a good game to bet the over, wouldn't it? If there's a chance for DeGrom to go out early and all of a sudden you have two bullpens trying to string together nine innings apiece. That could be a slugfest quickly. I don't know. We're taking a look at the total right now. It is currently off the board because bookmakers had absolutely no idea that Robert Sock was going to be getting the start until about an hour or so before we came on this podcast. I think bookmakers are still wondering, how in the world is Robert Stock getting his start? But I've been seeing Jacob DeGrom starts. A lot of these totals have been set right around six. And 
like you said, if DeGrom only winds up going four innings, the Cubs have actually shown an ability to be able to hit home runs, especially on the road. I think that they can get to that bullpen. And let's face it, when you've got Robert Stock starting, I mentioned how great the Cubs bullpen is. If you're needing to go to any bullpen for six plus innings, that's not necessarily what you want. It certainly isn't <laughs> as much of what you want as, say, a great guest on this podcast like Alex Crow, because you do an absolutely amazing job, Alex. I know you're out there with 620 WTMJ Milwaukee. You cover a little bit of everything. News, sports, politics, list goes on and on. You cover a little bit of everything. So let the good people at home know what you've got going on right now. I know that you do a show every weekend yourself and just how they're able to get you on social media and other platforms. Yeah, mainly news focused, but definitely always sports engaged, especially with our Milwaukee Bucks making a bit of a run right now, Greg, yes, which we're all covering over at TMJ. So Folks can follow me on Twitter at AlexCrow38. Uh, lots of good sports engagement over that way. I know that you should never root for injuries to anyone, and this is not the way that you want the Milwaukee Bucks to be able to make a run in the postseason. But considering what wound up happening in the very early 2000s when I was in grade school to them against the Philadelphia 76ers, I will take a Milwaukee Bucks playoff run in any way that I could get a Milwaukee Bucks playoff run. So I'm glad that you guys are covering that. And Alex does an absolutely terrific job. I wound up going to college with him. He was a standout then. He's still a standout now. So big thanks to Alex Crow for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. I give you a sign turtle on every game on the betting board for this Wednesday. And a little something I like to call, touch them all. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. Thank you, love you, Las Vegas. For the Baseball Betting Podcast, myself, Greg Peterson. Always great to go out to the wonderful state of Wisconsin, my college buddy, and now gentlemen doing a terrific job over there with 620 WTMJ, Alex Crow, joining me, and he brought it some good NL Central talk, some good Cubs chat as well, so always appreciate that. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you a sign total on every game on the betting board for this Wednesday, and a little something you like to call touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at JRSquarty1, and as per usual, we're going to be going in the Las Vegas rotation order. This is just where we go with the National League games first, then we go with the American League games after that, and then any interleague games are going to be at the bottom. So we've got one of those that is Red Sox versus Atlanta Braves that'll be at the bottom, so we are also going to be starting with the first National League game as well, which is Ironically enough, the New York Post play today. We have fought off with the New York Post play today. Now, two straight days. I can't remember last time I've had that happen. 9.51, 9.52, the Miami Marlins hit the road to face off against the St. Louis Cardinals. You don't mess with the Johan Oviedo is going to be going for the Cardinals. Sandy Alcantara is going to be going for the Miami Marlins. Marlins find themselves anywhere between minus 107 and minus 120 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the cards, you're going to be finding them pretty much even money across the board. I'm seeing a stray minus 101, but pretty much it's even money. Your total is anywhere between 8 and 8.5. On the 8, over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. Under is anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. And on the 8.5, you've got over and under juice of minus 110. And... 
This is a situation in which we're going to be fading Mr. You Don't Mess With the Johan Oviedo because he has been absolutely terrible. He has made 12 career appearances for the St. Louis Cardinals, and in those games, the St. Louis Cardinals are 1-11. Yeah, that is absolutely atrocious when you consider the fact that the St. Louis Cardinals are actually a pretty good team, and then you've got Sandy Alcantara, the former St. Louis Cardinal himself. He's had a 245 career ERA against his old team, and you take a look at what Alcantara has been able to do so far this year. He's giving up right around .9-ish home runs per nine innings. The strikeouts per nine have been able to rise a little bit as well. He's getting about eight and a half punch outs per nine, so that has been relatively solid. You take a look at him on the road. He's not necessarily as good as he is at home, but that's because Miami is very, very pitcher friendly, but you take a look at the bullpen that's backing him up as well. Miami Marlins bullpen has actually been quite good so far this year. Guys like Adam Simber, John Curtis with two S's, even a guy like Zach Pop, Dylan Floriemi Garcia, the former Dodgers, they've been able to come through him for the St. Louis Cardinals. Alex Reyes has been absolutely amazing for the team, but what are you going to be able to get out of a guy like Ryan Aisley? Andrew Miller is still a little bit up and down, so that is a little bit of an issue. Now with the St. Louis Cardinals, this is a lineup that's actually relatively solid, but it seems like Tommy Edmond is currently dealing with a tad bit of an injury, so you're going to have to rely upon Dylan Carlson, Yadier Molina, and Umando Sosa. Three of guys hitting between a 265 and a 275 entering into yesterday, Nolan Arenado. He's been able to do a solid job with a 280 batting average, double digit amount of homers, and Tyler O'Neill. He's getting a home run every 11 at bats, 290 batting average. He has been good, but you take a look at the Miami Marlins as well. Going into yesterday, Jesus Aguiar, 49 RBI, 12 home runs at a 270 batting average, so he's been able to get the job done in the middle of the lineup now. They've got Asus Sanchez now in the fold. They've been using a couple of random outfielders, and they haven't necessarily been able to pan out. Sandy Leone, on Diaz. John Birdie, these guys are in below a 215. You can throw in there Adam Duvall, but for Duvall, he has at the very least been able to give you 12 home runs. Jazz Chislam, he's able to get Jazzy on you right around a 280 batting average. And then our favorite guy, the Marte Parte of Starling Marte. How about a 440 on base? He has been absolutely terrific. I do think that this is going to be a tad bit of a lower scoring game, but when you take a look at Mr. Oviedo, he has given up runs upon runs, and I do think that that is going to allow the Miami Marlins to be able to get the job done in this spot. So we are going to be riding with the Miami Marlins on the money line that is a New York Post play today and with the total wound up setting it at 7.4 so I'm going to be dipping under. We move on to 953 and 954 on the bang board. The Cincinnati Reds yes we are on to Cincinnati and they're on to the road to face off against the Milwaukee Brewers. Freddie Peralta is going to be going for the Brew Crew. Tyler Molly is on the bump for the Reds. Reds are finding themselves as underdogs here. Anywhere between plus 130 and plus 139. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the crew, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 141 and minus 158 is your total with the under anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Over is anywhere between even and minus 110. Freddie Peralta has been absolutely amazing this year. How about nearly 13 strikeouts per nine innings among qualifying pitchers? He's in the top five with regards to few assists. Give it up per nine innings, right around like 4.2-ish. Meanwhile, for Tyler Molly, he's been able to do a good job of being able to limit the hits, but walks have always been a little bit of a bugaboo for him. Right around 3.3-ish walks per nine innings. He's been doing a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. Right around a home run per nine, and the Reds have won each out of his last four starts. So, I do give him credit there. And for Molly, it seems like he's actually pitched a little bit better on the road than he has at home. Road ERA, buck 65, 4-1 record across eight starts. He's given up two home runs in 43 and two-thirds innings. So, he's actually done his best work whenever he's been away from Great American Ballpark, but for the Reds lineup, they've done their worst work away from Great American Ballpark. A full two runs per game less on the road than they get at home. Now, you do have Nick Cassianos, Jesse Winker, pair of guys hitting north of a 340, though Jesse Winker was held out of the fold yesterday. Both of these guys, a combined 30 home runs, but Aristide Sakino, who wound up having one of the greatest months for a rookie ever in 2019. He's been getting a couple of 
bats for the team. Joey Votto is back. Eugenio Suarez, he's only getting a buck 72, but a double digit amount of formers. And Jonathan India is very fascinating as well because he, for the year, has right around a 360-ish on base, but you take a look at what he's been able to do on the road. He just hasn't been the same player as he has been at home. Meanwhile, for the Milwaukee Brewers, you still have quite a few guys that I would consider them to be slugs in the lineup. Luis Arias, along with Daniel Vogelback, William Adams, only between a 222 and a 230, though I will say this for Vogelback, going into yesterday, he had had, I believe it was three home runs in his last six games, so he's actually been able to do a little bit of something, but then you've got Manny Pina, Jace Peterson, Jackie Bradley Jr., Travis Shaw, a bunch of guys, in a 220 or lower, Omir Nevaeh, so 400 on base, Christian Yelich, former MVP, 400 on base, you got to figure that the power numbers are going to be able to come around eventually, and for the Milwaukee Brewers, you've got that eighth and ninth inning duo in Josh Hader along with Devin Williams, that is so solid. They bring in Hunter Strickland, a guy that's able to throw some gas out of the bullpen. And for the Reds, their bullpen has not been good, to say the least. You're looking to guys like Ashton Gadu for innings. Amir Garrett right now has an ERA that is hovering right around an 8-5. Brad Brock has been able to give you a little bit of something, but with TJ Antone being on the injured list, it certainly does hurt this team. I want to say the Brewers is more around a minus 160-ish favorite. And if you're taking a look at the run line in the spot, you're able to get the Brewers at right around a plus 140. When I want to make my run line price, I want to setting it just below a plus 140 with the Milwaukee Brewers, I was willing to take significantly less. So I'm just going to wind up laying the run in half because I do think that the Reds bullpen is going to be getting lit up. Did wind up setting the total at 7.8 as well. So we're dipping under and we're going with the Brewers on the run line. 9.55, 9.56 on the bang board. The San Diego Padres hit the road face off against the Colorado Rockies. Kyle Freeland is going to be going for the Rocks. Blake Snell is on the bump for the Padres. Padres are finding themselves anywhere between minus 164, minus 175 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Rockies, going to be finding them anywhere between plus 150 and plus 156. Your total is anywhere between 11.5 and, and 12. On the 11.5, over and under, both are at minus 105 to minus 115. On the 12, under is minus 125, and the over is plus 105. For Kyle Freeland, things are just not going well for him this year. Quite frankly, things have not been going well for him the last couple years. And then you take a look at Blake Snell. At home, he has looked like a Cy Young Award winner. On the road, he looks very, very mortal. A 9.24 ERA on the road. He has yet to win a road start. And on the road as well, the command goes down. Nearly eight walks per nine innings for him. But you also take a look at Kyle Freeland. 17 innings so far this year, and he's given up 17 runs, a 212 whip. I always say that if your whip would be a good bench press number for a set of 10, it's not necessarily going well. I can tell you right now, I wish I could do 212 for a set of 10. For Kyle Freeland as well, it's just one of these situations in which his road numbers are bad, his home numbers are bad, his day splits are bad, his night splits are bad. You take a look any way you slice it, he just gets lit up, and he's backed up by a bullpen that is absolutely brutal right now. Yancey Almonte is still at the major league level with a north of 10 ERA. Tyler Kinley, he's got right around a 5-ish ERA. Michael Givens has been able to give you a little bit of something. Carlos Estevez has been okay, but then you take a look at the San Diego Padres. They've used their bullpen a lot. Top three with regards to bullpen usage out there in the big leagues, but they've got the number one bullpen ERA overall for this season. Guys like Craig Stammen, Miguel Diaz, Nizbel, Chris Matt, Pierce Johnson. list goes on and on. Blake Snell, not necessarily a guy that is going to be giving you north of five innings, but I do think that this is a spot in which the Colorado Rockies just give up runs upon runs. I am going to be taking a look at the San Diego Padres on the run line. If you're taking a look at that run line price, finding it right around a minus 110 to a minus 115, which over there at Coors, with how high scoring these games can be, that's actually not too bad. Set this total at 11.8. 12 is a little bit too rich for my blood, but seeing the 11 and a half, we're going to be taking that over to go along with the Padres on the run line. 
957-958 on the betting board. You've got the Pittsburgh Pirates hitting the road face off against the Washington Nationals. To be determined is going to be going for the Nationals. Meanwhile, Chase DeYoung is going to be going for the Pittsburgh Pirates. So this is a game that is presently off the board. When you take a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates, things are not going well for this team. They enter into yesterday just doing an absolutely putrid job in a little bit of everything. They are now 10-24 on the road with a run differential north of minus 90. And for Chase Young, he actually has been one of the more respectable players for the Pittsburgh Pirates so far. He's made three starts, given up three home runs in those starts, but at the same time, a 480 ERA is actually not too shabby for this team. And he's backed up by a bullpen that's not too bad. Richard Rodriguez has been able to give you some solid innings. Kyle Crick is a guy that I like. Sam Howard has been able to come in. He's got an ERA hovering right around at 2-5. Jason Shreve is able to give you a little bit of something as well. But then you take a look at the Washington Nationals. Who they are going to be starting is anyone's guess. I know that they do have a couple guys that are able to give you a little bit of length. They wound up having Jeffrey Rodriguez pitch a couple days ago, so you got to figure that he's not going to be a candidate for this team. Paulo Espino, I would think, might wind up, if he doesn't wind up starting, give you just quite a few innings in general. This is someone that he's been used for a couple starts the last couple years. He's been used in long relief as well. That's right around a 280 ERA, so he's able to give you a tad bit of something for the Washington Nationals. It was big for them to be able to get busted out in the first inning yesterday, being able to score five runs, and it's massive for a team that it just feels like these trained men on base left, right, and sideways. Kyle Schwarber, four home runs in the team's last five games. He's been able to get it going. Jan Gomes, he was able to have that grand slam yesterday. He's hitting a 250, and then you've got Juan Soto, Ryan Zimmerman, Josh Harrison. Oh, guys, hitting between a 265 and a 280 for Soto. 400 on base, you just expect a little bit more power out of him. So far this year, he's been registering a home run every like 22 to 23 at bats. Victor Robles has a 350 on base, but it's not necessarily hitting for average. And then you take a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates. Top of the lineup has actually not been too bad. Cabrian A's, Brian Reynolds, pair of guys with north of a 350 on base. They have been a little bit banged up with guys like Colin Moran and company, but they've been able to get a little bit of something out of them. Adam Frazier got the day off yesterday, but he's got a 400 on base as well. But then you take a look at the slugs of this team. Gregory Palanco, Eric Gonzalez, Ben Gamble. Philip Evans, Kaye Tom, Kevin Newman, Michael Perez. All guys hitting a 225 or lower for this team. So it certainly has not been going well. I would expect that if it is Mr. Espino who's going to be going for the Washington Nationals, I'd probably be setting them as a slight favorite. These are the two bottom scoring teams out there in the National League. So this is probably a spot in which I'd be taking a look at an 8 or lower over 8.5 or higher. I'd be taking a look at the under. And like I said, if it winds up being Espino, Minus 135 on the Washington Nationals, probably where I'd be leaning, but want to know a little bit more about these moving parts before giving you anything set in stone. 959-960 on the betting board. The Chicago Cubs hit the road to face off against the New York Metropolitans, a game that myself and Alex Crow wound up talking about as you've got Mr. Jacob DeGrom, who's going to be going for the New York Metropolitans. And Robert Stock is on the bump for the Chicago Cubs. If you're looking at the Cubs, you're finding them currently at Circa's plus 284, and that is the only place in which you are finding a number on this game. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Metropolitans, you're going to be finding them at minus 320, and your Toronto's game is 6.5, over is minus 125, and the under is plus 105. I personally wound up saying the total at a 7.1, so I'm going to be looking for more like an unjuiced 7 if this is what we're going to be getting with these 6.5, and I'm going to take a shot here on the Cubs because with Jacob DeGrom, no doubt he is amazing. He is the best pitcher on the face of planet Earth. 
He wound up leaving his last yard early, though. The Mets have also shown that they are going to pull him very, very early in starts. I'm talking, like, after 70, 75 pitches. So it's hard for him to necessarily give you a whole lot of length in these circumstances. Meanwhile, you take a look at Robert Stock. This is going to be his first overall appearance of the year. He's always been a bullpen guy. And for the Chicago Cubs, the good news is their bullpen ranks in the top three with regards to ERA over the last three days. You've got to think that this is an all-hands-on-deck sort of circumstance. Keegan Thompson is someone that has been able to lend this team some length. I believe that he wound up last pitching on Friday, so he'll be able to give you multiple innings. Guy with right around a two-ish ERA, Dan Winkler, has been solid for this team. Tommy Nance. I take a look at even someone like a Rex Brothers being able to give you an inning or two along to Maple. So you do have quite a few guys on the Cubs that are able to hold down the fort. And then you take a look at the Cubs. Patrick Wisdom has been absolutely amazing for this team. He comes in and he pinch hits for a hit. He's right now hitting right around like a 340-ish. He has been able to give the team nine home runs in less than 60 at-bats. It is absolutely insane. Javi Baez returned to the fold yesterday. He's hitting right around a 240. He gets his 15th home run of the campaign, even when you need Sergio Alcantara to be able to fill him from. He's been solid. Guys like Wilson Contreras... Anthony Rizzo, you know that they're going to supply the boom. You know that these guys are going to have an on-base percentage that's right around 100 points higher than their batting average as well. And then for the Metropolitans, they are getting a little bit more healthy. James McCann has been able to pick it up. He's hitting in the neighborhood about a 235 with a 300 on-base. Francisco Lindor has been hitting just below a 300 so far this month. So he's been able to do a little bit of something. Pete Alonso, someone who has north of 30 RBI despite the fact that he wound up missing quite a bit of the season. Double-digit amount of former 350 on-base. And for the Mets, they themselves have a pretty solid bullpen. Now, I do think that it's going to regress a little bit. You take a look at some of these guys like Trevor May, Jersich Familia. They've been getting touched up a little bit recently, but Aaron Loop is a guy that I like. Perhaps they're actually going to be able to get value out of Edwin Diaz after he has been up and down throughout his Mets career, and no question Jacob DeGrom should be a sizable favorite here, but if you're giving me plus 285 with pretty much the Chicago Cubs bullpen against what we think is going to be a healthy Jacob DeGrom, but we don't necessarily know. I'm going to take that price, and with this total, anything below, I would say, a 7 is going to be a take on the over. If this winds up preaching at 7.5, I'm going to be taking a look at the under. 9.61, 9.62 on the betting board. The Arizona Diamondbacks at the red face off against the San Francisco Giants. Anthony Scalfani is going to be going for the Giants. Merrill Kelly is going to be on the bump for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Your total on this game is 8. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even a minus 110. Seeing straight 7.5 out there, the over is minus 120 and the under is even, and if you're taking a look at the San Francisco Giants, you're finding them anywhere between minus 158 and minus 173, plus price here with the Arizona Diamondbacks, and we're between plus 146 and plus 157. The problem for Merrill Kelly is his ERA on the road is about 1.8 points higher than it is at home. He's got north of a 5.5 ERA. Lifetime on the road. He just has not been comfortable whenever he's away from Arizona. Oh yeah, and by the way, he's on a team that entering into yesterday had lost 34 of their last 39 games. It is absolutely insane. Meanwhile, for Anthony D. Scalfani, he wound up getting lit up in a start against the LA Dodgers earlier in the year, but really past that, he's been able to do a good job. He actually has a worse ERA at home than he does on the road. That's because he just wound up getting destroyed in that start. But still, when he was at home, less than a home run given up per nine innings, less than two walks given up per nine. He's been able to get right around eight and a half strikeouts per nine innings. And for the San Francisco Giants, this is a team that they don't necessarily have a bunch of mashers or anything like that, but they've got a bunch of guys like Austin Slater, Mikey Stremski, 
Wilmer Flores that even though their batting averages are somewhat low, they do a good job of being able to find a way to reach base. A lot of their on-base percentages are like 100 points higher than their actual batting averages, and then you've got Buster Posey. How about a man that's giving you a home run every 14 at-bats and has a 400 on-base and a 330 batting average? Brandon Crawford, 15 home runs and 187 at-bats so far this year. And for the years of the Diamondbacks, they are getting a little bit more healthy. Carson Kelly, Quito Marte of the Marte Parte are both back in the fold. For Kelly, right around a 375-ish on-base. Marte, right around a 340 batting average. Josh Rojas wound up having a pair of home runs over the weekend against the LA Angels. He's been able to hit right around a 255 along David Peralta as Rubel Cabrera is back. He's hitting a 260, but for the Arizona Diamondbacks, you questioned the bullpen. It was really, really bad a few weeks ago. It's actually improved a little bit with guys like Humberto Castellanos and Ryan Bucher giving you some solid innings, but Joaquin Soria still sinks. They didn't wind up getting great length yesterday, and for the San Francisco Giants, they did wind up having to use up a little bit of the bullpen as well. Zach Liddell wound up being pretty much an opener yesterday, but this is still a team that is going to be facing off against the Arizona Diamondbacks, who completely stink. They are a complete fade on the road. At this point, they're becoming a complete fade at home. I'm taking a look at the run line in this spot. I'm seeing the Giants laying a run and half and getting plus 125. Even a plus 127 out there. Yeah, that is very appealing to me. I'm going to be taking the Giants run line in the spot. Also wound up saying the total 8.2, so we're going to be going over as well. 963-964 on the bang board. You've got the Philadelphia Phillies in the red face off against the LA Dodgers. Clayton Kershaw is going to be going for the Dodgers. Meanwhile, Zach Whelan and Dylan Wheeler is going to be on the bump for the Philadelphia Phillies. If you're looking at the Dodgers, anywhere team minus 145 and minus 155. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Philadelphia Phillies, you're going to be finding them anywhere team plus 135 and plus 139. And your total in this game is 7.5 under anywhere team minus 110 and minus 120. Over anywhere between even and minus 110. When I take a look at this one, I needed at least a plus 149 to be able to take the Philadelphia Phillies, and we didn't quite get there with the Dodgers. I do recognize the Clayton Kershaw has been rough recently at home. If you take a look over his last 14 home starts, he has actually allowed 20 home runs, which I find to be just an absolutely insane stat, but at the same time, he is going to be facing off against a Philadelphia Phillies team that, on the road, they have not been good. At home, they have been absolutely amazing. You take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies and what they've been able to do in the city of brotherly love. 21-12 and 12 record. Going into yesterday, 11-20 and 20 on the road, which is just absolutely wild. Now, Odubo Herrera hitting a 275 for this team. That's also wild. He's pretty much online with Bryce Harper, who has been able to do a solid job of being able to reach base, but hasn't necessarily supplied the boom so far this year. About a home run every 20 and a half at best. JT Riumito is able to do a good job of being able to reach base as well, hitting just below 300. Andrew McCutcheon, Alec Baum, these guys are in between a 222 and a 225. But for McCutcheon, he has been able to do a relatively solid job of being able to get on base. He has been able to give you a double-digit amount of homers. And then you take a look at the LA Dodgers. You've just got a bunch of guys that are able to reach base for you. And you got a, almost like a bunch of clones of everyone. Chris Taylor, Matt Beattie, Will Smith, Justin Turner down for what? All in the starting lineup yesterday, between a 271 and 278 batting average. And all these guys had like 350 plus on bases. Albert Pujols has 10 home runs so far this year, but that's pretty much all he's doing. But still, that'll, that'll fly with this team. Mookie Betts has been able to hit 250 as well. He's starting to pick it up with the Dodgers. You do have a little bit of fear with this bullpen, but I do think that guys like David Price, Jimmy Nelson are going to do a better job in the relief role. Blake Trying is someone I'd like, along with Victor Gonzalez, and then 
them for the Philadelphia Phillies. Connor Brogdon, it's a little bit rough. Archie Bradley has been able to give you some good innings. Jose Alvarado, you just don't know what you're going to be able to get out of him. Night in and night out, David Ale has been very bad for the team to say the least. So I'm going to wind up riding with the Dodgers on the money line in this spot. And when it comes to the total in this one, I think that it's a little bit fascinating because you can go one of two very different ways in this one. I wound up going with a 7.4 total. So we're going to be diving under along with the LA Dodgers. 965-966 on the banking board. The Tampa Bay Rays are going to be in the road to face off against the Chicago White Sox. Lucas Gilito is going to be going for the White Sox. Right now it is to be determined for the Tampa Bay Rays. I do have to think that what is holding off on the numbers being posted is whether or not Ryan Yarbrough is actually going to start or if there's going to be an opener for him because if you've ever seen Ryan Yarbrough following a actual starter, he is something like 24-5 and in his record. So that is absolutely insane. So that's why this game is presently off the board. But assuming we get Yarbrough as a starter slash a bulk guy and we get Giolito, I wound up setting the White Sox at minus 109. Wound up also setting the total 8.7. So an 8.5 for lower. We'll be taking a look at the over 9 or higher. We'll be taking a look at the under. But when you take a look at the Tampa Bay race, this is a team that they've been able to get a lot out of Ryan Yarbrough recently. He has given up two runs or fewer in each out of his last three starts slash opens, I guess you can call it. And in terms of earned runs, three runs or fewer in pretty much all but one of his appearances so far this year. So he has been lights out. Mimo for Lucas Giolito. He has been a little bit tough so far this year. The walks are starting to manifest themselves. Right around 3.3-ish walks per nine innings. Now the strikeouts are there. Just below 12 punch shots per nine innings, but he's also giving up right in the realm of about 1.7, 1.8-ish home runs per nine. So that is a little bit of an issue. You've got a Tampa Bay Rays team that they've got the best road record in in the big leagues going into yesterday, 24 and 10 road record. Meanwhile, the 25 and 12 home record for the Chicago White Sox entering into yesterday. That's the best out there in the American League. So you've got strength on strength and for the White Sox. They are dealing with some injuries currently. You've got Yohan Moncada who's missed the last couple days. It looks like we are not going to be seeing Nick Madrigal for quite a while for this team. So that means that Jose Abreu seems to be stuck on 49 RBI. He's going to need to pick it up. He's been able to 260 for this team. Ryan Goodwin since he wound up being acquired by this team and coming into the starting lineup. He's been solid hitting above a 300. Tim Anderson hitting above a 300 year in Mercedes. Selling right around 285, but I take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays team. Even though they do strike out quite a bit, you've got a lot of guys that are doing a great job of being able to reach base for this team. Randy Orozarena, Austin Meadows, along with Joey Wendell. You could throw in there a couple other guys as well. With between, I would say, about a 340 and a 350 on base. And for Meadows, he has been doing an absolutely terrific job of being able to supply the boom. 15 home runs and 50 RBI heading into yesterday, so he has been able to do an absolutely amazing job. Even a guy like a Mike Zanino has been able to give you 12 home runs so far this year. You need Mark Brasso to pick it up. Brandon Lau has been able to give you home runs, but he hasn't necessarily been able to get on base. But Yandy Diaz, 390 on base. Even their new shortstop in Taylor Walls, a 375 on base. And you know that the Tampa Bay Rays are just loaded with guys waiting to come out of the bullpen and just shut you down. How about Andrew Kittrich and his sub-2 ERA? Diego Garcia, Pete Fairbanks, JP Fireisen. The list goes on and on of guys that are able to do a tremendous job for you. Meanwhile, for the White Sox, the bullpen has improved. Ryan Burr is someone that's able to come out, and I think that he's going to be able to do a very solid job after beginning the year on the injured list. Cody Hewer has been able to give you some good innings. Jose Ruiz, but Evan Marshall has had a little bit of a rough go of it so far this year. Matt Foster has not been able to find it as well. So I take a look in this spot. I've wound up setting the Rays, like I said, at plus 109. So plus 110 or greater, I'd be taking a look at them, assuming that it is Yarbrough and Lucas 
Lucas Giolito. Eight and a half for Laura will be taking a look at the over. Nine or higher will be taking a look at the under. 967, 968 on the betting board. Kansas City Royals are going to be playing us the Detroit Tigres. Tyreek Skubal is going to be going for the Tigers. Meanwhile, you've got Brady Singer is going to be on the bump for the Royals. Royals are finding themselves anywhere team minus 140, minus 147. Meanwhile, on the Tigres, you've got them anywhere team plus 126 and plus 135 with your total on this game. Nine over is anywhere team minus 110 and minus 115. Under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. And when you take a look at Tariq Skubal, he has actually really been able to put it together. He had a brutal start to begin the year, but you've got to be taking a look at what Skubal has been able to do recently, and it's actually been pretty darn solid. He has given up two runs or fewer in, I believe, now six out of his last eight starts. He wound up giving up three earned runs in six innings to the Chicago White Sox in an extra inning loss a few days ago, but at minimum, eight punch-outs and four out of his last five starts. Quite six innings or fewer in all of them, so swing and miss stuff is there with him. Meanwhile, you take a look at Brady Singer for the year. He has been able to do a good job of being able to generate some punch-outs right around 9.6 strikeouts per 9 innings. He has been a little bit up and down, though. He's given up at least 3 runs in 4 out of the team's last 5 starts. Someone who, when it comes to the walks, is not necessarily too terrific. He's giving up right around 3.7-ish per 9 innings. And you take a look at the Detroit Tigers. This is still a poopy team, but it seems like they're starting to come together a little bit. Jonathan Scope now has a double-digit amount of formers. He's hitting in the realm of about a 265 along Jamie Candelario. Candelario wound up spending a little bit of time on the injured list. He is now back for the team. Now, the bottom of this lineup, it is not good. Miguel Cabrera... Des Cameron, Grayson Griner, Nico Goodrum, Willie Castro, Jason Rogers, all these guys hitting at 225 or lower need to pick it up. But at the same time, Robbie Grossman, 360 on base. Harold Castro, whenever he's out there, he's been solid. And then for the Kansas City Royals, you've got Carlos Santana, who's been able to give this team a 370 on base. He's been solid. But Ode Soler, goodness gracious, this guy had 48 home runs during the 2019 season. He's got six so far this year and is hitting below the Mendoza line. Meanwhile, you've got Whit Merrifield, Calvin Gutierrez, pair of guys hitting between a 255 and a 265. Whenever you've got someone like a Gerard Dyson out there, he's been able to get on base for the team as well. And Salvador Perez hitting just below a 290. 16 home runs. Does a great job with these pitchers as well. And for the Kansas City Royals, bullpen has been relatively solid for the team. Josh J. Mount is back. I do like what you're able to get out of Scott Barlow and Jake Brents as well. Even someone like a Greg Holland, who seems to be getting up there in years. He's been able to do a good job. And for the Tigers, the bullpen is still terrible, but it's actually gotten a little bit better. I do like what you're able to get out of someone like a Brian Garcia. He's been able to step up Gregory Soto all year long. It's been a little bit of rock for the team now. Guys like Daniel Norris and company, not necessarily a gentleman that you want to be trusting in, but I do think that Tariq Skubal is going to be able to give you a relatively solid start. Question is, is it going to be good enough to be able to overcome the bullpen deficiencies? I wanted making it slightly way. I could only lay up to a minus 142 with the Royals. We have gotten down barely to that number with the Royals. As this thing, I'm seeing it at minus 140 in quite a few spots. So I am going to be going with the Kansas City Royals in this spot. Also set the solo at 7.9, so I'm going to be dipping under as well. We move on to 969, 970 on the betting board. The LA Angels hit the road face off against the Oakland A's. Cole Irvin is going to be going for the Athletics. Griffin Gunning is going to be on the bump for the Angels. Angels are finding themselves as underdogs here. Anywhere between plus 110 and plus 116. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Oakland A's, anywhere between minus 120 and minus 135. Your total on this game is 9 unders. Anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Overs anywhere between even a minus 110. For Griffin Canning, he has been just all over the place. It seems like he strings together three good starts, and he just gets lit up, and he puts together a couple really bad ones. And then you take a look at Cole Irvin. The team in general for the Oakland A's have not been good for him recently. 
2-5 and five in his last seven starts. Now, the last two have been wins, and in those starts, they combined 12 innings, giving up three runs, two of which were earned, so he certainly has been able to shape up there, but with Irvin, you know that he's not going to give you a lot of strikeouts. Right around 6.3 punch shots per nine innings. Griffin Canning, meanwhile, he is a strikeout artist. Right around 10.2 strikeouts per nine innings, but what else Griffin Canning gives you? Nearly two home runs per nine innings surrendered, which is not necessarily too terrific. You take a look at Canning's last four starts. He has given up at least three runs in three of them, and there were a pair of starts in which he did not wind up making it out of the fourth. So, it's not necessarily too terrific. When you take a look at the Oakland A's, you do have quite a few guys that do a great job of being able to reach base for this team. Mark Canna Canna give you a whole heck of a lot of something. Right around a 375 on base, double-digit amount of homers. Matt Olson, 290 batting average, 18 home runs, about a home run every 12 or so at bats. He has been amazing. You've even got someone giving you seven home runs in Sean Murphy. who has been a little bit up and down, but he's been able to do a solid job. Jed Lowry is able to get on base for you. Now guys like Steven Piscotti, Elvis Andrews, they need to pick it up a little bit. But Tony Kemp, nearly a 400 on base. That is solid. And then you take a look at the LA Angels. Jared Walsh, Justin Upton. Pair of guys that have been able to give you a 14 home runs. Upton is really picking it up with his on base. Walsh is hitting a 290. Shoy Itani, 17 home runs. 270 batting average. He has been amazing. Jose Iglesias is hitting a 280. But you do have a couple guys like a Kian Wong who's hitting below the Mendoza line of a 200. Kurt Suzuki hitting a 225 with no power. Juan Lagares has one home run and 108 at bats, and he's not necessarily doing a great job of being a reach base. And then for the Angels, hard to have a lot of faith in this bullpen. Junior Guerra, Juan Abrilli getting used up a couple days ago, so you got to figure that he might not be available in this one. Mike Myers has an ERA that's hovering right around a four. Chris Rodriguez has been up and down. Tony Watson has been better recently, but I have more faith in guys out there with the Oakland A's. I do recognize that Birch Smith wound up getting lit up a couple days ago, but Lou Trevino, Yasmero Petit, these guys have been good. Deolius Guerrero is someone that we haven't seen in quite a while, but Jake Diekman is someone that I do have quite a bit of faith in as well. When I take a look at the spot, I do think that the Oakland A's should be a favorite. Question becomes the total, because with the Oakland A's, they've actually pitched worse at home than they have on the road, which I find to be very intriguing. I want to send the total at 9.7 personally, so we're going to be taking the Oakland A's on the money line along with the total over. We move on to 971, 972 on the bang board. You've got the New York Yankees, and they are going to be on the road facing off against the Toronto, aka Buffalo Blue Jays. Ross Stripling going to be going for Buffalo. Meanwhile, you've got Garrett Cole on the bump for the New York Yankees. Will we have spider tech affecting the Yankees? Well, bookmakers don't seem to think so. Anywhere between minus 161 and minus 170 is the price here. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Buffalo, you're finding them anywhere between plus 148 and plus 156. Your total on this game is 8.5. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Under is anywhere between even and minus 110 with Garrett Cole. I do think that maybe the foreign substancing is affecting him a little bit, but I still think that he's going to be very dominant in this one. I wound up saying the total at 8.5 personally. So seeing the heavy juice on the over, I'm going to be looking under in this box being able to get even money on the under is appealing to me. I do recognize that this is a little bit of a bandbox ballpark and Ross Stripling this year to say that he hasn't been good would be very generous. He is certainly giving up the deep ball as he has given up nine home runs in 47 and two-thirds innings, but he's also going up against the Yankees lineup that the top of it is very solid. I like what you're able to get out of DJ LeMay, Labor Torres, Giancarlo San Gio Rochelle, all hitting between a 262 and a 272. They're all in that pocket. Aaron Judge, he has been solid for the team as well. 385 on base. He has been able to supply 15 home runs. Chris Gittens finally got a hit. For the New York Yankees, he's hitting a 067. Brett Gardner, Gary Sanchez, pair of guys hitting between a 215 and a 225. And then you've got guys like Rudnett Odor, Gittins, who I want to mentioning a little bit earlier, Kyle Agashioka. A lot of guys hitting 
a 215 or lower for this team. So that has been rough. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Blue Jays. You certainly have a strong lineup for this team. Marcus Simeon, Bobichet, Randall Gritchick. All guys hitting at least a 265, and all guys have supplied at least 13 home runs so far this year. Vlad Guerrero Jr. Vlad Guerrero Jr. is leading the American League in every Triple Crown category. He has gotten an odd base of a 450 with 22 home runs. It's absolutely insane. Lord Scurriel has picked it up. He and Joe Panic both hitting above a 260, along with a gentleman in Santiago Espinal, who I think should be able to get a couple more appearances as well. When you take a look at this Toronto Blue Jays team, the bullpen has been banged up. A.J. Cole, Julia Merriweather, they're still not out there for the team, but Joel Payampas has been able to give you some good innings. Jordan Romano is a guy that I do like. The jury is completely out on Taylor Sacito, but I know that they are very bullish on him. Meanwhile, you take a look at the New York Yankees, and the bullpen has been good for this team. Aroldis Chapman has been able to do a great job of being able to protect leads for this team. I know that he wound up having a little bit of a blow-up last week, but by and large, he has been solid. Chad Green has been able to come in in relief. He's been solid. Michael King in long relief has been good. As a starter, he has been terrible. Jonathan Luizga is able to give you some innings. Lucas Lutige. So these guys have been able to do a relatively solid job, and I do think that the Yankees are going to be able to get their best out of Garrett Cole in this spot and the question becomes do you wind up looking at a run line because with the Yankees right now I'm actually seeing as good as a minus 101 so relatively close to even money on the run line in the spot with the Yankees I was willing to lay up to about a minus 113 so I'm going to wind up taking the run line with the Yankees I do think that they are going to be able to get to stripling in the spot and with this total currently being juicy over I'm going to be taking it under get the even money on eight and a half in this spot and 73 974 on the main board the Baltimore Orioles hit the road face off against the Cleveland Indians Aaron Zavali is going to be going for the Indians. Keegan Aiken is going to be on the bump for the Baltimore Orioles. Your total on this game is 8 overs, anywhere between minus 110, minus 120, unders, anywhere between even and minus 110. If you're looking at the Indians, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 148 and minus 159. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Baltimore Orioles, you're going to be finding them anywhere between a plus 135 and a plus 140. And for Keegan Aiken, it has not necessarily been going too tremendously for him so far this year. And this is a team in the Cleveland Indians I think are going to be experiencing a little bit of regression when it comes to how good Aaron Savali has been so far this year. You take a look at the 9-2 record. It comes with the fact that he's given up a little bit over 1.3 home runs per 9 innings. Command has been good, just under 2 walks per 9 innings, but also right around 7 strikeouts per 9 innings. So I do take a look at that. I do think that there's a little bit of cause for concern. Keegan Aiken, he's got a 4-1-3 ERA, but it feels like he's gotten a little bit lucky. He's not necessarily a hard tosser guy that in regards to strikeouts per nine, right around seven and a half-ish. And then you take a look at the Cleveland Indians. All of a sudden, the lineup, despite not having Framel Reyes, it is starting to wake up. And the big reason why, how about Bobby Bradley? He has been doing it all year for this team. Hitting above a 400, very small sample size, but you gotta love what he's able to provide. You've got the Ramirez's, Jose and Harold Ramirez, both hitting above a 270. Amid Rosario is hitting at 280 for this spot. Josh Naylor, Eddie Rosario, both hitting between a 240 and 250. Austin Edges has been a pile of garbage for this team, but you've even got a little bit of a young infielder in Ernie Clement, who I am a little bit bullish on as well. And then you take a look at the Baltimore Orioles. The offense has actually been relatively decent recently. They began the month of June house of fire. They're cooling down a little bit, but still Cedric Mullins has been able to give this team a 385 on base, north of a 300 batting average. Trey Boo Boo Mancini, he's hitting at 265 with a double digit amount of homers. Then you've got a lot of guys hitting between, I would say about a 240 and a 255. Anthony Santander, Freddie Galvis, you could throw in there Pedro Severino as well, so you've got that, but then you've got Austin Wins, Pat Valeka, Chancisco, Stevie Wilkerson, Mikel Franco, along with Ryan McKenna, all hitting at 215 or lower for the team and for the Baltimore Orioles. 
They wind up having to dive into their bullpen early because Matt Harvey, shock, shock, surprise, surprise, got lit up again. How this guy has a major league job, I have no idea. It's unfair for Cole Solzer to be pitching in the fourth inning. So now he's used up. Now you aren't able to use him. Tanner Scott has been sought out of the Orioles bullpen, but they've been using him a lot. Dylan Theta as well. So it puts this Orioles team in a real horse of peace situation because they've got terrible starters like Matt Harvey who are taking away opportunities from guys that actually have a little bit of upside. So we're going to be taking the Indians on the run line. I was willing to lay up to about a minus 115 in this spot, and I'm currently seeing it at a plus 130. So and it's very very good value, and then when it comes to the total, I set it at 9.2, so we're taking the over along with the Indians' run line. 9.75, 9.76 on the bank board. The Houston Astros are going to be playing most of the Texas Rangers. Jordan Lyles goes for the Rangers. Meanwhile, Zach Greinke is going to be on the bump for the Astros. Astros are finding themselves anywhere between a minus 2.15 and a minus 2.35 favor. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the plus price here with the Rangers, that is anywhere between plus 195 and plus $2, and your total on this game anywhere between 8.5 and, and 9. On the 9, under is minus 120. The over is even. On the 8.5, the over is anywhere between minus 150 to minus 125. Under is anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. And I set the Astros as a minus 233 favorite on the money line. And if you're taking a look at the run line, currently seeing that anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. So we're going to be taking a shot there with Jordan Lyles. He just is not good. I mean, he's not good on the road. He's not good at home. He's not good in day games. He's not good at night games. He's not good against left-handers. He's not good against right-handers. He's just terrible. 530, 70 RA. 2-4 and four record. A gentleman that is giving up over 1.5 home runs per 9 innings. And you take a look at it. Away from home, he's got a 450 ERA, but I chalked that up to a little bit of the competition that he's been playing. And overall, opponents this year are hitting a 294 off of him. Meanwhile, you take a look at Zach Greinke. He's actually been able to do his best work away from Houston. 531 home ERA, 220 road ERA, but still a gentleman that's able to get the job done. He has been able to do a good job of being able to limit the walks right around 2.5-ish walks per nine innings, and then you take a look at the Houston Astros. They back him up with a really, really good lineup. How about Michael Brantley, Jordan Alvarez, Alex Bregman, Yoli Gurriel, Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve. All hitting at least a 280. All have at least a 350 on base. And then you throw in there Kyle Tucker with a double-digit amount of formers who's hitting a 260. Chaz McCormick has been able to pick it up. Miles Straw is hitting right around a 260 and has great wheels. So this is a team that is very dominant. Now, when you take a look at the Astros, bullpen is not necessarily too terrific. Ryan Presley has been able to give you some good innings. Inoli Paredes wound up getting injured earlier in the year. It looks like he's probably not going to be available for this game. You've also been dealing with on and off injuries. Brandon Bielak, it seems like he's back to being the blonde guy for this team, but you also take a look at Brooks Raley. He has not been good for this team, and it has been used quite a bit. And then you take a look at the Texas Rangers. You've got a couple okay pieces are able to come out of the bullpen for this team. John King has actually been able to do a very solid job. He's got an ERA that's hovering right around at 2-4. Brett Martin has been able to give you some good innings. Spencer Patton, ever since he wound up getting sent back to the major leagues, he has been able to do a good job. Josh Shorbich is a guy that is a little bit up and down, but it's not necessarily terrible. But I take a look at the spot for the Texas Rangers, and I do think that's going to be a little bit tough. Adolis Garcia has been stuck on 16 home runs for seemingly about 15 years at this point. Got quite a few guys in between, I would say a 240 and a 250. You've got Jose Trevino, Brock Holt, Nate Lowe, along with Willie Calhoun, all in that fold. So you got quite a few guys there. And then 
with Lowe. He's been able to have right around a 340-ish on base along with Brock Holt. So these guys have been solid. Isaiah Kinnair, Falefa, 295 batting average. And then you've got Joey Gallo, 375-ish on base. The batting average is not there, but we all know that he's able to supply the boom. But I take a look at the spot. I think that it should be complete and utter domination by a Houston Astros team that is right now leading the league in so many offensive categories, including fewest strikeouts. So when I'm saying this all at 9.5, we're going to be taking it over, and I'm going to be taking the Astros on the run line. 977-978 on the main board. The Minnesota Twins at the road to face off against the Seattle Mariners. Justice Sheffield is going to be going for the M's. Bailey Ober is going to be on the bump for the Minnesota Twins. If you're looking at the Twins, you're finding them as a very slight favorite here. Anywhere between minus 109 and minus 119. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Seattle, finding them as bad as a minus 106, as good as a plus 109, and your total on this game is 8.5. The over is anywhere between minus 105 minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 115. And for Justice Sheffield, he certainly has given up a lot more contact than he did last year. He wound up having like 10 starts last year and gave up two home runs, so he was able to do a remarkable job with that regard, but still has been able to put it together for the team. 491 ERA is a tad bit high, and walks are always an issue, right around 5 walks per 9 innings, but you take a look at them, at home 4-1 record in 5 starts 358 ERA, 2 home runs in 27 and 2 thirds innings, opponents are in a 243 off of them, compared to a 331 on the road, then you take a look at Mr. Ober, he hasn't been great, he hasn't been terrible, he's pretty much made 3-4 appearances for this team, he has given up 3 home runs in 13 innings, but he's been able to limit the walks, giving up just 2 of them, gotta figure that this is going to be a spot in which he's probably going to be pitching at most five innings. I have them slotted for more like four, so you're probably going to be looking at a Ty Duffy, a Luke Farrell, giving the team a little bit of something. Griffin Jacks, I wouldn't be surprised if he's used in a little bit of long relief. He has been used a couple times in that role this year, and he has gotten lit up a tad bit with a north of ADRA. And so Robles, Taylor, Rogers have been solid out of the bullpen, and then you take a look at the Seattle Mariners. For the year, the bullpen hasn't been bad, but recently it's been terrible. Since Kendall Graveman has come off the injured list, he has not necessarily been his normal self. Had zero runs given up prior to going on the injured list. He winds up giving up runs in back-to-back days in that series against the Cleveland Indians over the weekend. Hector Santiago has actually been decent, but Will Vest, since he came off the injured list, has not been good. Drew's second rider has actually been solid, and Paul Seawald apparently has no idea how to feel a ball, so there is that, and when you take a look at the Seattle Mariners, just got so many guys with such low batting averages right now. You take a look at the starting lineup that was trotted out there on Tuesday. Kyle Seeger, Dylan Moore, Tom Murphy, Jake Bowers, Lewis Torrance, Shed Long. All guys hitting a 216 or lower. You throw in there Jorge Mamalois, who has been absolutely terrible for this team. Taylor Trammell has been bad. Jared Kelnick was so bad that he wound up getting sent back down to the minor league, so it has not been good. Kyle Lewis is still on the injured list for the team. J.P. Crawford and Jake Fraley both hitting at 275. Ty France, he's been able to hit 250, but right now Mitch Anniger is out of the fold, so as a result, you had one guy in the fold in Kyle Seeger with more than six home runs so far this year. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Minnesota Twins. You have been able to get quite a bit of something out of some of these younger guys. Alex Kurloff is hitting at 255. Trevor Larnett seems to be dealing with a tad bit of an injury, but he was back in there yesterday. He's been able to hit 275 along with Luis Arias. The Minnesota Twins will gladly take him back, Josh Donaldson. He's got right around a 350 on base, Elson Cruz. He has been able to tear it up recently, like four home runs in the team's last eight games. He's been able to do a great job with that regard. And then you take a look at just this Minnesota Twins team in general, though. It is a little bit of a tough situation sending out their Bailey Ober. I do think that the pitching is going to fail them, and I do think that Justin Sheffield is going to be able to get the job done in what I think is going to be a very interesting game. I wound up saying this total at 8.8 because I just have absolutely no faith here whatsoever in Ober, so I'm going to be taking the over, and I'm going to be taking the Seattle Mariners at a little bit of a plus price. And wrap things up with 979, 980 on the betting board. You've got the Atlanta Braves, and they're going to be playing us the Boston Red Sox. 
Garrett Richards is going to be going for the Sox. Ian Anderson is going to be going for the Atlanta Braves. The Braves are finding themselves anywhere between minus 140 and minus 148. Seeing a straight minus 137 out there as well. And if you're taking a look at the Boston Red Sox, finding them anywhere between a plus 125 and a plus 130. Dolan's game is 9. Unders anywhere between minus 110 and minus 125. Overs anywhere between plus 105 and minus 110. And for Garrett Richards, he has been really dodging bullets in his last couple starts. This is someone that... Every time I watch him pitch, I swear they should be giving up six runs, and instead he's giving like two or three up. So that's been very fascinating to see. He's got a 409 ERA despite the fact that he's got a buck 59 whip. He is allowing four and a half walks per nine innings. He's done a good job of being able to limit the homers. Right around .65 homers given up per nine innings, and Ian Anderson on the other side, he's given up right around .8 home runs per nine. Now, I will say for Ian Anderson, walks are a little bit high with him, right around 3.8, 3.9 walks per nine innings, but swinging his stuff is much better. Garrett Richards, right around seven and a half punch outs per nine innings. Ian Anderson, a little bit over nine per nine innings. Now, with the Boston Red Sox, Bullpen has been better so far this year, but I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression with guys like Garrett Woodlock, Kuda Kazusawamura, Adam Adovino, list goes on and on. But then you take a look at the lineup, and it's very solid. J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts, hitting between a 370 and a 385 with regards to their on-base. Both have double-digit amount of homers. Rafael Devers has been amazing, 275 batting average. He's got 16 bombs thanks to yesterday. Hunter Renfro's hitting above a 250. So, someone called the papers there. He, Christian Vasquez, Christian Arroyo have been solved for this team. And then with the Atlanta Braves, Freddie Freeman is starting to pick it up for this team. It is really nice to see he had another RBI yesterday. 15 home runs, 240-ish batting average, but the on-base has been very solid. He's been able to give the team pretty much three home runs in the team's last seven games. So, seems like he's turning the corner. Ronald Acuna Jr. has just south of a 390 on base, 290 batting average. He has been terrific. Ozzy Albies starting to pick it up as well. He's hitting nearly a 260. His slugging percentage is just below a 500. So, I like what you're getting there. Abraham Almonte has been able to get on base. Austin Riley, nearly a 380 on base as well. And then you take a look at the Atlanta Braves. I do think that the bullpen is going to be a little bit better moving forward. I think that guys like Tyler Madzik, AJ Minter, they're going to be able to find it. Luke Jackson has been terrific for the team all year. Prior to going to Philadelphia, Chris Martin had been as well, but he wound up letting me and the New York Post down, so there's that aspect of it, but I do think that the Anlander Braves should be able to get a very good start here out of Ian Anderson. I was willing to lay up to a minus 141 in this spot, which means that the Atlanta Braves are the play, and I wound up saying this all at 9.2, so we're taking the over along with the Braves, and now we're at things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this Wednesday. Big thanks to Alex Crow of 620 WTMJ in the great city of Milwaukee for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you're able to subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson wherever you hear your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and Twitter. If you have a question for the podcast, one of two ways we all fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters EM. They mean does not matter, so I send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to send your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you. I'll be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, which means I'm coming at you guys once again tomorrow.